Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, guys, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast. As always, presented by our amazing friends over at Scentlock. I have found myself in the field a few times now. And I'll be honest, I did, uh, <laughs> I got winded by one deer, but I also had my daughter with me and she was drinking chocolate milk. So that might add something to do with it. But um, I'm a huge fan of Scentlock. Their carbon technology uh, not only keeps you in the field longer, but gives you more successful days in the field. So go check out our friends over at Scentlock. We have a very special guest, a familiar voice to the show. Uh, been on one other time. We have Miss Christy Titus. Christy, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me back on the show. Yes, it's always a pleasure. And uh, I am excited to talk to you about your season so far. Um, you spent some time in Africa, correct? Yeah, I um, did a bow hunt in Africa. I've had a great bow season so far. Um, went from archery hunting turkeys to you know having success there, having success uh, spring black bear hunting on public land in Idaho, went to Africa. My husband took his first animal with a bow, which was an impala. I got a gorgeous sable, rolled into elk season and whitetail season. And it's just been, it's been an awesome year so far. Yeah, we have a lot of exciting things to discuss. Um, we're going to talk about what bow you're shooting uh, from bear archery uh, this year and, and talk about your success you've already had with that bow and your experiences with it in the field so far. Um, so let's just go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. What 2022 bow are you going to be shooting? I am shooting the new bow. Um, the new flagship bow is the Refine. Um, and uh, really stoked about shooting this bow. It's it's pretty sweet. <laughs> um, it's one thing that I, I love about bear bows in general is they're so easy to draw. Um, and with the refine, it's, it's definitely the same. I'm, I'm pushing 60 pounds on that draw. Now, um, the bow just shoots, you know, draws easy and it shoots so well. It's got 33 inches axle to axle and, um, my, my grouping and my, <laughs> my shots are just better than they've ever been. Um, and the bow is just super quiet. Yeah. I, uh, I guess Alec knows me pretty well because uh quite a while back he he mentioned he said man we've got a bow that's just right up your alley and uh i just kind of thought to myself i'm like yeah we'll see you know um we'll see because i don't think you can make anything better um than what you've already made <laughs> and, uh, and uh when i looked at that catalog those specs are exactly what i look for in a bow and I, i'm not gonna dive too much into that because last week we really talked about the specs and why i like those specs 
Yeah. Um, so if you didn't hear that episode, head on back to last episode where we're joined by Chris and Ryan and talk about the entire lineup and why I chose the Refine. Um, because it is a phenomenal bow. And those specs are amazing. And you're going to shoot that bow really well. And and that those specs are going to perform well. Um, now, what's your experience been with it so far in the field? You, I know you've got it out on a couple hunts. Yeah, so I um, was, you know, beat up by elk this season. <laughs> I um, I came to full draw with that bow uh, three to four, four or five different times, and I just had my heart broke. I <laughs> just couldn't get it together. Um, I really thought uh, elk season was just going to be a slam dunk, um, but it is possible. Dylan to have an elk at 10 yards for four minutes and not have a shot. And I can just attest <laughs> to the fact that I'm living proof of that. And I kept, I kept my refined at full draw for, for four minutes and I never, in the bull was 10 yards, he was bugling and never had a shot. So I, you know, I walked away from that a little humbled, but um, I stepped into whitetail season, went to Missouri and I just took my first uh, deer of the, of the year with that bow and um, could not be more, thankful for how that turned out you know you talk about how um the, the just the the how well um you can shoot a bear and last year i i remember i got my redemption in the mail on like a thursday and i was about to head out to um arkansas back where i'm from for thanksgiving and i was like well mm -hmm. you know i think i can get out one time with this redemption and so i took it out thursday night in the headlights of my truck and I shot like three shots and was sighted in at 20 yards. And yeah. the next morning I go out and I shoot a deer with it. And, uh, I got, I got a, a I broke through both shoulders on a, on a big mature Kansas whitetail. And I was just, I was just blown away by how quickly you can get a bear to tune, how, how well they shoot. I mean, it, it's just, it's phenomenal that after three shots, I could go out and be fully confident in shooting a deer with it. And, uh, I mean, that's why I love bear, though. Well, it's that, and then that coupled with trophy ridge sights. I mean, the sights sight themselves in. And I took my refine. I had it for less than a week when I took it to Colorado. And I went out there with 100% confidence in every single one of my pins. And, you know, in a matter of a couple hours, I had that pretty well sighted in. Um. And the tuning was super easy on it. You know, it, it, uh, I do bear shaft tune my bows. And, you know, when I put my field tips, on, you know, off, take my field tips off and I put my broadheads on, I have a lot of confidence in, in that with the proper tuning and, and with those pins, the way they self sight. It's just, it makes everything. What are you so shooting easy. this year? So I have the hot wire three pin sight. Um, so that's got a mover on it. And, um, that, that's, you know, that's been a tried and true, really great site for me. I like, um, I like that site because it has less cluster <laughs> in the site picture. Um, and, and that just makes it really, really intuitive to use. You know, you have your 2030 fixed and then your third pin, you know, obviously moves up and down. So you, you know, you have to site that in, but it's so easy to do and it doesn't take very long um, and, and that just, you know, that to me is, I like that, especially for whitetail, you know, with most of your shots, I won't shoot after, you know, beyond 35 yards. So that keeps my sight picture nice and clear and, um, you know, very intuitive. I'm also shooting for, for elk, the react 
Pro, um, and I'm running the five pin site on that. Um, and those those pins, the nice thing about the React Pro is that those pins will auto space for bows that are down to, I believe, 260 feet a second or two, maybe 250 feet a second. Um, so even with me with a short draw length and low poundage, that site is very intuitive and easy to use. Now, I'm glad you mentioned the hot wire because I got a, uh, an email and, and I'm a big fan of the React Trio, um, which mm-hmm. in essence would be a lot uh, really similar to the hot wire. It is mm-hmm. a three pin so- site um, that's on a slider. And so, uh, but once you move your site, only your bottom pin is relevant. And I got an email saying, why do you refer the hot wire or the trio over the hot wire? being basically they function the same. Um, and, you know, I don't know if more people have that question for me, but I'll, I'll go ahead and answer it. And the Hotwire is a phenomenal site. Uh, I, I hunted with it a couple times last year. The only reason I prefer a trio is whether I'm shooting at 10 yards or 110 yards. My site picture is the exact same. Uh, that, that bottom pin doesn't move inside of the housing, but rather the entire housing moves. So no matter where I'm shooting at, my site picture is exactly the same. And, and I, listen, that's it's different strokes for different folks. I understand that some people uh, prefer the Hotwire. And, and, and again, the Hotwire is a phenomenal site. Uh, I just, one of my cousins just got into archery, and, and that's what I put on his bow. Um, just a phenomenal site all around. That's just simply why I prefer the Trio. Um, I also prefer the Trio because um, it's, you can take the housing off of the React Trio and put it on the on the base for the React One Pro dovetail, and now you have a three pin slider on a dovetail. And so that's what I'm currently running. I've ran it for about two years. Uh, this year, I am going to go back to a React Trio on the standard base, um, just for other reasons that I can dive into uh, when I talk about my bow setup. But um, that's why I like the Trio over the the Hotwire. So. Um, just got that email this week and, and just figured I'd kind of, uh, hit on that a little bit. Yeah. And you know, there might be some people that are choosing a hot wire like myself because you, you're not hitting those minimum speeds. And I'm not sure if the trio has a minimum speed, um, or not, uh, rating, you know, for those, for the pins to kind of align with, you know, what your, what your site tape would be on the side, um, for your ballistic chart, if you will. Um, and I really haven't looked into that. Maybe you would know if there's a minimum feet per second that that, that, that tunes into. I'm trying to look real quick before I, um, I'll keep looking. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Missouri, but it's just, it's, it's just little food for thought, you know, because that there, there, yeah. there's always, you know, that what I love about Perfect Ridge is they make a site that works for every shooter. And there's people like me that are <laughs> the little T-Rex arms. Um, and then, you know, and I'm just not getting, I'm just not, you know, my bows just aren't that, they're just not getting, you know, those crazy speeds. And I'm, I'm teetering on 260 feet a second, which for me is the fastest I've ever shot a bow. My old bows in the past historically have shot in the two, high 240s. Um, so for me to be getting the speeds that I'm getting out of my bare bow is performance that I've never had um, because I can draw so much more weight. Um, so there's, there's a lot to be said for that. And, and speed isn't everything. Um, you know, if you look at an IBO on a bow, 
uh, for me, there's a lot of those that, that those IBOs are really high. Well, the, the cam systems and the draw systems make it to where like I can hardly break over more than 52 pounds. Well, it doesn't do me a lot of good if I have a hard time drawing a bow that's 52 pounds when it's six degrees in Missouri and I'm hunting whitetail. Now, if I can take that same food of thought, maybe the IBO is a little bit lower, but now I'm comfortably drawing, you know, six, seven, ten more pounds. Uh, the speeds that you can get are unparalleled. I mean, you can't, you can't match that. So there's, there's always a, oh, this goes faster than that bow or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, well, that maybe it depends. Um, and bear archery makes their bows so easy to draw and shoot that you can get more out of them than you can a lot of other bows. What, uh, what, what poundage are you pulling on the refine? 57. And I've never pulled 57 nice. in, in the past. I've shot bows my whole adult life and it's 52, 53. Um, I'm comfortably drawing 57 right now. And my goal is to pitch upwards of, you know, the sixties, you know, and, and start getting some, the speeds I'm getting right now is faster than I've ever gotten. I'm, I'm hitting that 260 feet a second. And like I said, in the past, I've always shot, you know, like 247, 248, once in a while, I'd hit a 252, but I've never gotten to that 260 feet a second with with my short draw length and poundage. So it's it's impressive to me. Now I think we talked about that last time mm-hmm. um, with the redemption, and you were pulling a new, you know, personal best yeah. weight, um, and and now the refine. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> <laughs> the refine has refined to be a better bow and now you can pull even well, more Well, the other thing with refine is the, the draw length range is a little bit different. So my redemption, I, I shoot a 26 inch draw length. With refine is the lowest draw length is available is 26 and a half. So I picked up half an inch on my draw length um, and kind of modified my anchor a little bit with this bow. Um, so that extra half inch, believe it or not, <laughs> makes a big difference in speed. Um, and you know, if there's people out there that can comfortably manage to get an extra half inch on your draw length, uh, it makes a big difference. You know, I'm actually, I've shot 27 and a half inches, uh, for my entire life and started shooting a recurve this last year. And, uh, kind of my quote unquote coach, um, is Tom Clum from Rocky mountain specialty gear. And, I was pulling 28 and a half inches every time shooting mm-hmm. that bow. And, uh, and I told him like, man, I'm pulling a, an inch further than I've ever pulled a compound. And, uh, he said, well, a bow's a bow. So you've probably not been drawing your, you've, you've probably not had a long enough draw length on your compound. Um, and so I'm actually going to try, uh, to move my draw length up a bit this year as well on mm-hmm. the refine, which I'm excited about. Um, but you mentioned it, you said, uh, speed isn't all that matters. Now, listen, if you're a speed freak and that's what you chase after, great. Uh, but let me throw a ping pong ball at you 100 miles an hour or let me throw a bowling ball at you 10 miles an hour and see which one hurts worse. Um, and that, that kind of brings into perspective the whole idea of speed, um, which is why I shoot a, sh- shoot a super heavy arrow. Um, because I don't care if I'm getting, you know, over, uh, you know, I don't care if I'm getting 290 or 295 or 300 or 305. Mm-hmm. I want to knock the deer off its stinking feet. Uh, when that arrow hits it. So I shoot a really heavy arrow and I don't worry much about speed. Yeah, I, I was shooting a super heavy arrow last year. I was pushing 500 grains and I, 
I've since backed that down. It was just a little bit too big of margin of error on ranging. Um, so I, I pulled mine back down to um, 380 on my on my arrow weight now. So which I think is a is a good compromise. I pulled 100 grains off, and yeah, that that 480 was just a little little heavy for me last year. But I'm heavy enough to do every job I need my my bow to do right now. Yeah. And that's what it's all about is finding uh, finding what you like best uh, and finding that happy medium, not going too light and chasing speed, not going too heavy, um, and then your yeah. lobbing arrows. Um, but finding that place where uh, an arrow shoots well for you and it's going to be heavy enough, it's not going to be too light, and it's going to be a good flying arrow and, and ultimately kill animals. Um, so, so it takes some time, uh, you know. Actually, this morning was talking with a friend of mine. He called me and and was uh, talking through recurve setups and and what arrow he should be running. And I'm like, dude, listen, go to threerivers.com and order you a test kit. And, and you can test all different spines with all different field tip mm -hmm. weights. Don't just say, oh, I'm going to get a 400 spine and run 200 grains out front. Um, find what's going to fly best out of that bow. And the same is true for a compound. Now, you can pretty much... Here's where it's differing is somebody asked me this question the other day too. Here's where it's differing is you can pretty much tune any compound to fly decent with any arrow. Um, but you are going to find an arrow that flies a whole lot better for a compound. Um, now with a recurve, you kind of got to tune each arrow to each bow and, uh, and find what works for that bow. But, uh, so that is where it differs, but find what arrow is going to fly best out of your setup and find, uh, that sweet spot for you. Now, before we dive in, I need to give a quick thank you to our friends over at Universal Outdoor Products. Go check them out at universaloutdoorproducts.com. They carry two of my favorite products, which is Wise Eye Trail Cameras and Baku e-bikes. Uh, so go check out Universal uh, Outdoor Products. I am so incredibly stoked um, to to for Baku and their e-bikes to kind of change the way I'm hunting. And Universal Outdoor Products will get you, I guarantee you, will get you the best deal on a Baku e-bike or on WiseEye. So go check out universaloutdoorproducts.com. Uh, now, Christy, Missouri was kind of special for both of us. You shot an absolute tanker with a refine, and I shot my first buck with a recurve, and it was in full velvet. That's um, awesome. so, so Missouri was kind of a special place for both of us. What part of Missouri were you hunting in? I hunt outside of Columbia, and um, I've hunted the same farms for... I think five, four or, well, let's see, 2018, since 2018, I've hunted the same farm. So um, four years, I think, uh, on those now. And um, it's really cool because the, I go with Prairie Land Outfitters and um, I go out there in the spring and, and David uh, Westmoreland, the outfitter, and I and will hang stands and, you know, we'll move things around based on what I'm seeing for deer movement. Um, I go out, I put out minerals. Um, he spends a tremendous amount of time doing food plots and, and, um, and things like that to really make it a quality hunt. Um, and just to be part of that, I feel very fortunate because I don't want to, to go whitetail hunting and show up and have an outfitter just go do everything for me. These farms that I hunt, I really feel invested in the land, invested in the deer that are there. And now that I've got this long history of these deer, you know, I have some deer that were good deer when I started hunting there four years ago that now are like ancient monarchs. And, 
And um, I'm going to go back rifle season and I'm hoping I can find one of those old deer that I've been watching for all this time and, and take one with a rifle. But, um, you know, Missouri is a special place for me. It's a place that I'll be going, you know, probably for the rest of my hunting career. Yeah, no, I have a, I have kind of my, uh, I don't know, I call it my deer hunting oasis <laughs> and that's Liberty Ranch Outfitters in Oklahoma. And for much of the same reasons as you, um, you know, I'm blessed. It's only about an hour and a half from my house, so I can be there really quickly. And, uh, you know, I, I feel invested in the process. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll go out and help them hang tree stands. I'll go out and help them scout. Um, I'll go out and help them do these things. And then it's not just show up and hunt, um, but rather you're involved in the process. And yeah. and that's what I, I, I would encourage any new hunter. Um, this is the Hunting 101 podcast. I love to share little tips and tricks as you're getting started. I would encourage any new hunter, uh, and, and not even just a new hunter, but if you're going to hunt a new species, if you've been a deer hunter your whole life and you're going to go on a bear hunt or you're going to go on an elk hunt, I would highly encourage you to get involved with an outfitter mm-hmm. um, because you're going to learn so much from that person. I had somebody asking me, Dylan, I want to go on my first elk hunt. What should I do? And I said, go with an outfitter. And they said, well, I really want to do it myself. And I said, well, that's good, uh, but you can take two weeks off work and spend X amount of dollars and X amount of time away from the wife and kids. And you're going to go out and you're going to get your butt kicked and you're going to come home feeling like trash. Now, kudos to the guys who do it. I'm not saying, not saying you're wrong. I just told my buddy, I'm like, or you can take two weeks off work, leave your wife and kids, go on a hunt with an outfitter. You'll have a much more better, you'll have a much better chance of harvesting an elk, but you're also going to learn a tremendous amount about elk hunting, elk calling, elk sign, whatever else and then go back next year and do it yourself that's right after you've gained some of that knowledge and so i just encourage everyone um and especially if you can find an outfitter like christy has or like liberty ranch like i have uh to where you can be a part of the process uh and and you can be a part of hanging stands and setting blinds and 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 where you put trail cameras and why and, and all of these things uh find an outfitter um that you can really just pull as much knowledge as possible from uh, because it'll make you a better hunter all around. I mean, if I'm from Oregon, so we don't hunt whitetail here. Uh, when I started whitetail hunting, I had no clue what I was doing. Um, and I, obviously, I've got a lot to learn. Um, but I have such a better understanding of the whitetail game and the importance of the little things. Like, you know, the first couple of times I climbed in a stand, if my release strap clanged on the stand. I really didn't think anything of it now. Oh my gosh. My release strap is not clanging on the stand. <laughs> um, you know, you just set off those warning bells to those deer and, and the big ones are so smart and you just learn all these tiny things, you know, the importance of the wind and timing and food source and behavior. And there's so much that goes into it. And the guys that consistently kill big deer with a bow every year are really putting it all together because it, it takes the absolute perfect formula or perfect storm, however you want to look at it, to make that happen. And, you know, David's just one of those guys. He every year consistently takes big deer. He'll target one or two deer. He'll hunt them all year. Now, for me, I'm in a little bit different situation. I go out there, I have five days to hunt or six days to hunt. So even though some of the farms that I'm hunting you know, they'll have a 160 inch deer in Missouri. Um, I'm not passing on a 140 because I have five days. Now, if I had all season, that's different. You know, I, I'm not there necessarily to, to trophy hunt the way, you know, you can possibly do in some situations. I'm there to, 
you know, make the most of my time and have a great experience. And, um, but you know, those guys that consistently kill those, those big, big deer are passing on one forties, they're passing on one fifties and, and they're willing to, to not notch a tag in order to have a chance at those giants. And that's, that's really, you know, they're, they're doing something that I'm not doing. Yeah, no. And, and again, it's, it's, it, it, it all goes into, and I had this conversation not too long ago and I don't remember with who, but, um, it's all different strokes for different folks. And, yeah. uh, you know, you talk to guys and, and especially guys, you know, inside of uh, like the Pope and young organization and, and, uh, you know, the, they'll talk about how they've been on 10 grizzly hunts and passed up, you know, 50 grizzlies looking for that one. And I'm like, man, like you're a better man than me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him at all, but, but, uh, a guy by the name of Alan Boland was on the show not too long ago. And, uh, and he's killed like five new world records. And, you know, he's like blacktail, for instance, he's like, when I'm looking for blacktail, I'm literally looking for the next two inches. Like I might see a 105, which is a giant blacktail. He's like, but I'm looking for that 107 or that 108. Uh, and so I might pass <laughs> that blacktail, and I'm like, you know, good for you, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not. No. Um, you know, I I I'm not. <laughs> and uh, and so actually, this year I've decided that um, in Oklahoma at least I will pass um, and and hold out for a giant. Um, at, at least on my second. Ooh, he tag. just put it out there. He just put it out there. Ooh. <laughs> at least on my second tag, because you do have two buck tags in Oklahoma, um, and I've already promised there's a management deer they need taken, and so I've I've already already promised that if I have an opportunity of that deer, I'll take it. Um, but but you know then, uh, especially with getting to hunt in Kansas and Texas and and Arkansas and and Missouri already, um. You know, I've decided that's going to be the state where I, I hold out and, and I want to shoot a big one. And and I'd rather go home with an empty tag than a small deer. Um, now, in Arkansas, we just let bullets fly. And if <laughs> if you see it, it it's dead. Um, you know, and, and that's why it's different mindsets. And it doesn't always have to be. I want to encourage the listener. You don't. It doesn't always have to be. I need the biggest, best trophy possible. And it doesn't always have to be. Oh, I'm only a, a meat hunter. Um, you can be a, a good, healthy mixture of both, and that's okay. Yeah, I mean, if I have a 160 walk under my stand, I'm not going to be like, well, you know, I think I'm just going to oh, that 140. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm not going to pass. And what's cool about this year in Missouri, um, the deer I actually ended up taking, um, uh, I have trail camera pictures of them growing all summer. It's really a cool cool deal. And, um, you know, I had put out some, in Missouri, it's legal to put, salt out but not bait uh so we have uh pictures uh, of the deer at salt um and so you know you kind of get a look at what he was doing all spring and then in july i have photos of him i have photos of him in august and then what made me go hunt him is he had uh, showed up during daylight hours and a lot of the other deer were not the acorns dropped when i got there and and you know those those big bucks are kind of like a little hoover vacuum once the acorns drop they tend to stay in kind of one area and suck up everything off the floor of the forest and they aren't necessarily moving a lot and um and this deer was in a spot i could get in and out of where he was bedding uh, without getting um busted and and uh just got lucky to be in the right place at the right time had to endure some rain kind of waiting out couple at an evening where it was just 
absolutely down for. Uh, and then the next morning went back in there again and, and ended up having my chance. So, uh, you know, that, that was, that was neat to see and, and just being able to put it together. You know, I knew what wind I could hunt that stand and I had the right deer doing the right thing with the right wind. And, and that's how you put it together with whitetail in my opinion, and for what little whitetail hunting I've done. And, um, that's the recipe for success. And I always feel like your first set is your best set. You know, that element of surprise where you can slip in, just keep that, if that deer's, you know, doing something or in an area and he's consistent, man, don't go in with a bad wind and blow it. Just hold him there and hope he stays and then go in when it's right. And I feel like that's, that's patience is almost more, um, a better strategy for whitetail than anything in some cases. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And, uh, you know, I've, I, I, I've heard, I've heard it said, um, your best stand is where the best wind is. Um, and what, what the person meant by that, and they dove more into it, but what the person meant by that was we've all got that favorite stand, you know, where we know that's the killing tree. That's where it's going to happen. Um, that's where my big buck shows up. But if you've got a bad wind for that night, it's better to go sit somewhere else. Right it's better to sit on the ground, uh, you know, with a different wind than to sit in that tree stand. Um, and so I, uh, I, I took my kid out, like I said, um, just, just last week. And, and, uh, it was the first time she'd been in the tree stand with me. And so she's sitting there, uh, reading a book and drinking some chocolate milk and looking through my binoculars constantly and, and just having a really good time. And we had some does work into about 40 yards and they got downwind of us and they started blowing and left. And my my daughter was like, I don't understand. And so I'm like trying to explain to her. She's like, but we washed up. And uh, and she's like, you ran the clothes through that little system. And she was talking about the <laughs> ozone. Yeah. But uh, and I'm like, well, sweetheart, you know, no matter how hard you try, if a deer gets downwind, it's probably going to smell you. And uh, and she was like, what? Well, you know, just trying to wrap her mind around that. And uh. But but it's so true, and people think, well, listen, I showered, and I washed my clothes, and I sprayed my boots off before I came in. It doesn't matter. You can't out-hunt. You can't out-scent control a bad wind. You can't. No. No, you can't. Unfortunately. And that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, and, you know, wind swirls and things like that. It, you know, and I do, I, you know, I wash everything I haven't did downwind and I do everything I can to make sure I'm not going out there making it easier for them to smell me. Um, because that's, I don't, I don't want to smell like a Friday night <laughs> when I'm going in the deer stand. In fact, uh, sometimes after I've been deer hunting for a long time and, and everything I do is, is scent free, I smell people and I'm like, oh my. Yeah, <laughs> these people stink. What are they trying to hide? <laughs> you know, it's like too much scent. Um, so I really feel like, you know, preventative, doing the best you can to prevent as much human scent as possible is, is you know, you're only, you have to do it. You know, there's no way. I actually it. don't use any scented products all deer season. Yeah, I'm the um, same way. I, I don't wash my like, hair in any like girl shampoos. I use dead downwind everything and, and it's just, and send the deodorants like you you the more you add to the mix the more your odds are against your uh, your odds of success now i will say this though <laughs> last year um i was getting my hair cut and after they cut your hair they always rub this um stuff on your neck you know super strong smelling stuff makes you smell like your grandpa 
And uh, and I was like, hey, bro. And I told him earlier, he's a good friend of mine. I told him earlier in the haircut, I'm like, oh, dude, I forgot I'm going hunting tonight. Don't rub none of that stuff on me. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. And uh, sure enough, at the end of the haircut, you know, we were talking and just cutting up, and I feel it all over the back of my neck. I feel him rub, just slather it on, and I'm like, dude. I told you I'm going hunting tonight. There's no way on God's great green earth you can get this off. And uh, and so so I went home and, and took a shower and uh, went hunting and ended up killing a, a, a nice deer. Yeah, and uh, I was like, man, maybe I need to put that stuff on my neck every time. <laughs> well, and, you know, they had that nose jammer stuff that was super popular for a long time. It smells like Victoria's Secret vanilla lotion. I'm like, wait, what is going on with this? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> like, this I may as well put it. on my Vicky secret and go out in the woods if this stuff works. I've I've not ever used it, but I know a lot Nose of people. Nose phenomenal. Yeah, a lot of people use it and and swear by it. And I'm like, well, what's the difference? <laughs> I have absolutely no affiliation to them. Um, hey, nor do I. I. I buy it at Walmart every every time I go. It's absolutely. Um, I listen. I have a friend that sprays it in his truck. Sprays it in in his man cave he sprays it everywhere because he loves the smell of it but it really is impressive now again it is not going uh, a deer can get downwind of you and it's not going to cover every scent there is but if it can give you that extra split second of them smelling vanilla over you and give you time to make the shot then it's worth it uh but if a gear if, if a deer gets downwind of you and spends enough time it will pick you out but Anything that gives me that extra two seconds or five seconds of a deer trying to figure out what's going on is beneficial. Oh, that was my elk season. There were so many times where I just needed literally an extra second or two. And nose jammer. <laughs> yeah. Well, that wasn't really the situation in, in my case, but um, <laughs> you know, it, it was just like, man, can I just please get a break? <laughs> nose jammer. Should I, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, I actually one time, um, my kid, my youngest kid, uh, smelt it and smells phenomenal. Like it smells like you want to eat it. And, uh, so my kid tried to eat it, sprayed it right into his mouth. Oh, no. And, uh, he didn't like that. He didn't, it did not taste as good as it smelt. He figured that out pretty quick. Um, do you use that little, the, I don't know what it's called. The wind checker from dead down wind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. I'm obsessed with that, but that thing can ruin your brain too. Like I could sit in the stand and squeeze that thing every 30 seconds. So oh, at some point you got to put it down once in a while and like stop staring. It at gives the me something checker. to play with. I play with it all the time. That's <laughs> oh, pretty funny. But it I is play with it all the time. My wife uh, was on a hunt with me in Maine. Uh, we were hunting bears and I was sitting there and, and uh, I kept playing with it. And she said, she looked at me as serious as she could. And she said, how often do you have to check the wind? And I said, <laughs> Oh, I'm just playing with this. Like, <laughs> I've already checked the wind. Like, when we got here, and we're all good. I'm just playing at this point. <laughs> well, what you should do for bears is Tinks makes smoking sticks. And my husband's like a little kid with those things in the stand. He lights two or three of them. He's got them burning on the ground. So, you know, they, they burn for a couple hours. And so you, you light them and you set them in the ground and you can see what the wind is doing on the ground. Um, with those smoking sticks and then he'll put them in the stand with us and light them and watch them burn in the stand and he'll sit and stare and watch the wind with those smoking sticks for bears. Uh, it's really funny. He's, he's literally, it's like a sparkler, but it's not, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Yeah. And they smell good. And it's actually funny. We had some bears come in 
And the first thing they do is walk up to that smoking stick, like, Ooh, you're going to get burned. <laughs> um, but they, they never actually bit it or anything, but uh, they it definitely, they were definitely interested in them. It was really impressive to see in, in real time. I, that's, that's part of my obsession with bears is how curious they are and how yeah. fun they are. And just how, you know, I don't, I don't, I was talking to somebody and, uh, and this sounds kind of dumb, but a lot of times to the non hunter or to somebody who's never experienced bears in the wild, they think of, of bears walking around ferociously, like, you know, claws out, teeth showing, like, I, I, one of my pet peeves is when you see a bear mount and the claws are up and it's growling and it's, you know, I'm like, really, you didn't see that bear do that whatsoever ever before you shot it. Um, but that's the, the, the image that is casted on bears. And when you go out and you spend time watching them, they're just kind of ditzy. Uh, that sound, it's not a good word to use, but you know, they're just out playing around and scratching their backs on trees and sucking blueberries off of limbs and, you know, like you said, checking out smoke sticks and, and if you're baiting, they're sucking down donuts. I mean, it's just, they're so fun to watch. And they are just, super fun. Yeah. They're so just playful and, and we never, nobody ever thinks about bears like that, but that is one of my obsessions with bears. Yeah. They, they are very entertaining and the big ones are really smart. Um, they're definitely remind me a lot of a white tailed deer. Um, in the difficulty that they are to hunt with the wrong wind, uh, the little ones aren't as smart, but those big ones that have been hunted, especially over bait, um, they'll challenge you as much as a big buck. Uh, they'll circle a yeah. stand, they'll come in cautiously and, um, well, it depends where you're at. Also, I should say there are some places you can go where bears are very bold, um, and, you know, usually if you head north in, in like Saskatchewan, for example, a baited bear hunt up there, they really don't care about anything. But, you know, if you're hunting Idaho public land, uh, those bears, those big bears are, they'll, they'll challenge you with the wind as much as a white-tailed deer will. Oh, yeah. They absolutely will. I had, I was blown away by, um, by the, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here by the amount of caution that bears give. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, and it seemed as though if there was a group of bears coming in, they always send little bitty ones in first to check it out. And, the bear, <laughs> the bear the poor little ones. and I'm yeah. like, man, talk about using your kids as stinking decoys. Uh -huh. um, I mean, it's like me telling my kids, Hey, walk across the road first to make sure it's safe. Then I'll come, you know? Um, it, it, it's crazy to me, but, but no, bear hunting is, is so much fun. Now I do have to mention, I almost forgot Christy. Um, I do have to mention head over to bear archery social media. Um, and they are doing a massive giveaway for this launch. They're going to give away a 2022 summer access deer hunt down in Texas with me. Uh, so, so me and you will head to Texas and have a blast. They're going to give you a brand new refined decked out with trophy ridge accessories and our good friends over at Scentlock are going to throw in uh, a gift card and some ozone products so guys go over to bear archery and get it it's absolutely free to enter no purchase necessary and me and you're going to head to texas and hunt with our good friends uh at texas hunting resources for axis deer in the summer so you got to go get entered to win that giveaway because i am absolutely pumped up to go hunt some axis deer 
and I can't wait for one of you to join me. Um, now, Christy, before we move on, I got to ask you, what's next for you this year? Like, what, what do you got coming up next? I'm going to Wyoming uh, to do uh, the Wyoming Women's Antelope Hunt there, and Ruger's sponsoring that this year, and and that's a group of women that are, you know, coming out for a mentor opportunity. And, and I'm taking a lady who's a scholarship winner and mentoring her on that hunt. Um, and then I'm really excited. Uh, I drew a book cliff south mule deer tag in Utah. And um, that's a huge honor. I mean, that's that's a 16 to 19 year wait on that deer tag. And I drew it at Hunt Expo last year or this spring, I should say. And I'll be heading there. My husband and I and my cousin are going to go down there and, and hunt. And then uh, and then I'm going to Kansas first week in November to hunt whitetail again with my bow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm going to finish out my season in the stand uh, in Kansas. Well, not finish it out, but my, my, my final uh, archery hunt for the year will be in Kansas uh, first of November. Late see, uh, uh you said first of November. Yeah, so I'll head out. I like to hunt that last week of bow season. Um, that first week in November is, you know, typically pretty good for peak rut activity. I love decoying deer. Um, and so I'm pretty excited to get the decoy out in Kansas where there's some giants and, um, and watch them just destroy a decoy or at least tow off with them. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good footage. I typically hunt Missouri that week, but I, I tagged my buck a little early this year. Darn it. <laughs> uh, so I'll spend that bow season. Sorry in Kansas. For you. I know I'm not, I'm not complaining. So I get to, I'm going to go to Kansas and then, um, and then I'll head back to Missouri and I'll hunt those same stands that I normally hunt for, for archery with, with rifle, uh, in Missouri. Now I'm excited to ask you this because well, first you're female. Uh, so you probably have some really good answers. Uh, but I also know you're pretty passionate about cooking wild game. Mm -hmm. Um, so we've got really good friends over at rebel six rubs and they make nine different seasonings for wild game, um, all the way from sweet bear rub, uh, to Midwest fish, um, and coastal fish and spicy whitetail and pork, all of these different rubs for different wild games. You can use bear one Oh one at discount for a, a discount over there. Um, but really just phenomenal rubs to accent the taste of wild game. So share with me, uh, maybe it's a favorite recipe, maybe it's a favorite, um, just your favorite wild game in general, but share with me um, something wild game that, that you like to do. Uh, well, my favorite food, this is really, really kind of odd, is pig. And so uh, I uh, I went to California, my husband and I this year, and we, we shot some some wild pigs and, and had a bunch of sausages made. And, and one of my favorite recipes is to take elk steaks or whitetail steaks and I um, take the Italian sausage from our wild pig and I roll the steak around the pig and I shish kebab it on a wood shish kebab and then I put it on my smoker oh for my Lord. a few hours and smoke it and then I take it off the smoker and I put it in a pan and I cover it with marinara bake it till the marinara is hot put some mozzarella cheese on it and and I'm actually making it this week. You can put spinach inside the roll or you can put cheese inside the roll. I typically put a little bit of cheese in, in, in with the wild pig and wrap the meat around it. And, and that's, that's pretty tough to be. <laughs> it's pretty good. Good Lord, I'd <laughs> say so. Good. Yeah. And, and I, most people are like, oh, you wild pig. I love it. And my husband's from Sweden and we do a lot of pig hunting. His, um, 
family estate, we, we kill, or the, the hunting team kills collectively around 30 hogs a year, and not any of that meat is wasted. It's all tested for trichnosis, and we turn it all into sausages, and uh, it's, it makes actually really good table fare, especially when you combine it with you know, wild game like elk and deer. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I can tell you this, and I can promise you this. I'm not one to look down on wild pig. I love eating wild pig, and uh, and that right there sounds phenomenal. So that's one of my favorite things to ask my guests because I get inspiration, and I get ideas, and I get um, I get really hungry. Uh, so <laughs> I'm always <yeah>. hungry. <laughs> um, so Fred Bear was big on his field notes. So before I let you go, share with us a field note that you've taken over the years, something that I can take and make myself a better sportsman with. Just appreciate the moment. Very good. I think that's, you know, so many people get caught up. I mean, and I'll even do it once in a while where I get frustrated. Oh, the wind's blowing wrong or this or that. And just take and appreciate the moment because it's really a blessing from God that we get to be in wild places amongst wild things and, and uh, it's easy to get looking at your social media feed when you're in a tree stand and seeing other people's success. And man, I really want to get a deer this year. Right? You know, I put in all this work. Da 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 da. Put all that down and just appreciate. And that's what yeah. it's all about. No, absolutely. Um, and on that last hunt with my daughter, I, it was nice because sometimes you know I get caught up checking emails or or sending text messages, and she was wanting to play games on my phone, so I couldn't do that. Um, so it was literally just sit there and, and it was nice to not even have the option to, to pull out my phone and look at it. Um, so I, I completely, um, respect that, that answer. Um, guys, don't forget if you haven't listened to last week's episode, we dive into the entire new lineup compound and traditional that bear archery just came out with, which was a massive catalog drop for bear archery. So congratulations, kudos to those guys. Um, on a phenomenal launch. And if you haven't heard all the details on those bows, go check out last week's episode. Don't forget to go over to Bear Archery social media and get entered to win that giveaway because somebody is going to win a free hunt with a free bow and some free camo. Um, and I hope it's you. So head over and listen. Uh, head over to Bear Archery social media and find that giveaway and get entered to win uh, because I can promise you West Texas is going to be uh, an absolute phenomenal hunt. Uh, with Liberty or with uh, Texas Hunting Resources, and I want you to tag along. Christy, where can they find you on social media? Uh, everything is at Christy Titus, so K R I S T Y T I T U S, or my YouTube channel is Pursue the Wild. My website's pursuethewild.com, so you can watch all of my episodes, tips, tactics, and listen to my new podcast, Wild and Uncut, uh, right there on my website if you'd like. Go check her out, guys. Christy Titus is a good friend of Bear Archery, a phenomenal huntress. And uh, and if you haven't seen her giant Missouri whitetail, go check it out over on her social media. Um, guys, before we go, i got to give one quick thank you to our friends over at Koa Optics. Uh, I'm a big optics guy. Whether I'm in the whitetail woods or chasing bears in the backcountry, you've got to have good optics. And Koa Optics is some of the finest Japanese glass on planet Earth. So go check out Koa Optics. Um, a lot of places carry them, and you can get great deals. Um, uh, B&H, um, S&S Archery, always running awesome sales. So go check out Koa Optics and get yourself a good pair of binoculars or a spotting scope. Guys, thank you for listening. Have a great week. Christy, thank you so much for coming on, and I hope the best for the rest of your season.
Yes, you too. Thank you. All right, guys. Have a great week.